This is Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax. It's Friday, March 24th, 2023, and this is episode number 757 of the show. Hi, guys. Hi, Matt, Adam. Hello, Matt and, and Jen are here with me. Thank you. And it was very nice. I came in and uh, to the Radio Free Reich Studios here at the Nook. I think actually Susan Ray, who's going to be a future guest, may have called it the Nook in a text to me. So... Because she, she lives around the corner from here, and so she passes by here. She's familiar with So I'm going to just let her call it the Nook. Why would I let her name it? Okay. So, so I come over here, and who's finishing up But uh, with Michelle Williams? I have a problem with that, but I'm going to let it go. Is Andy Ostreich, ho- host of The Back? Yeah, he's here sometimes. Yeah, no, it's great to, to finally meet him. He's done my podcast. He's done Film Wax twice, mm-hmm. once with Adrian, the documentary about his late wife, mm-hmm. the actress. Uh, Adrian Shelley. So um, anyway, uh, so it is, as we speak here, it is, we're right on the cusp of the equinox. Mm. The vernal equinox is happening. I'm very excited that it's tonight. It's today. It's happening now. Probably things are equinoxing as we sit here. Spring is upon us. It is. So even though, and then the temperatures are reflecting it, but it could, of course, we don't, can't hold our breath. We can't be sure that we're going to have such a smooth warm or mild next few weeks, but so far so good. It's here. I mean, the fluctuation <laughs> of 30 degrees is always a little, yeah, you know, it was overnight. like 25 to yeah. 52 or something. Yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited about the warm weather it comes in the next few weeks or the next month or two. <clears throat> I always love this or beginning days of spring. This is a very special episode. I mean, they're all special in their own ways, absolutely. But this guy, Stephen Frears, he's one of my guys. In other words, he's like one of those filmmakers that broke out here in the States anyway, because he had been directing probably smaller things and TV in the UK. But when I was in my 20s in 1985, I would have been 22 years old, maybe. And I was a camp counselor in Vermont. (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) I was, sure. And the films that were coming into New York back then, it was, you know, were amazing from all over. You know, it was just a very, that particular time of the mid 80s or even earlier 80s into the 90s was very exciting. International art films were coming in from everywhere, including, you know, Stephen Freer's films. And like the one that was really big, at least in the art film sphere, was this movie called My Beautiful Laundrette. Do you remember that, guys? Do you remember that at all? Not... I do remember seeing it, but I don't oh, remember did. anything about it. Do you, you don't remember a young uh, man in that film, a young actor named Daniel Day-Lewis? That was wow. his breakout film here. Okay. I mean, he already made it, started making a little noise, but he was a supporting character, if I'm not incorrect, in that film. But you looked at him and you thought, there's something about that guy. No kidding. And I went to see it at least one more time in the movies, maybe more than that. And I was blown away. And then he came back a couple of years later, Stephen Frears, that is, with the movie Sammy and Rosie Get Laid. And, you know, just based on the title. But and then he be based on the success of those two films. He then ended up going to Hollywood and making 
My Dangerous Liaisons. And that was a big hit. Michelle Pfeiffer, Glenn Close, John Malkovich, and others, a big, big time cast. And the movie was very well received, <clears throat> both critically as well as, you know, by audiences. And it, from there, it was just, you know, just he kept building up his career. I'm just, I don't want to ma- mention too many because anybody, of course, Google Stephen mm-hmm. Freer's, but The Grifters, The Van. And then he went back to the UK for a little bit, made a couple of films, including The Van, which I love. But then he came back again. High Fidelity, Dirty Pretty Things. Was that made that you love that movie? Uh, that's Jen. my favorite, one of my favorite movies, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that was, but that was, that was, was that made in the UK? Uh, no. It was produced by the BBC. Okay, so it was. So he's been all, like kind of oscillating between the UK and the US ever since. So he has a new movie. And, oh, he did The Queen. I should mention that. That was a big, big success. But he's back with a movie called The Lost King, which stars Steve Coogan, who also co-wrote it. Oh. And the great Sally Hawkins, mm-hmm. who I love. And I'll just read you a brief synopsis of this. This is going to be the first segment. We have a second segment, which we'll talk about later in a second intro later. But in the art, this is based on a true story now. In the archaeological find of a century, the remains of King Richard III, presumed scattered over 500 years ago, were discovered under a parking lot in Leicester, which is, you know, a small city in the UK, in 2012. Leicester. England. The search was spearheaded by amateur historian Philippa Langley, whose passion and unrelenting research were met with skepticism by the academic establishment. She was laughed off, shrugged off. She wasn't taken seriously. Directed by two-time Oscar nominee Stephen Frears and starring two-time Oscar nominee Sally Hawkins, who is in The Shape of Water in the movie Spencer, if you know, you may know her from there. She plays Philippa. The Lost King is the inspiring true story of a woman who refused to be ignored and took on Britain's most eminent historians, forcing them to rethink the legacy of one of the most controversial rulers in English history. A tale of discovery, obsession, and stolen glory, both then and now, The Lost King is a magical adventure illuminated by one woman's awakened sense of purpose. And I should mention, coincidentally, and this is just a coincidence, Stephen Frears is from Leicester, England. This so happens. The Lost King will be in theaters on, starting today, March 24th. So I urge people, especially if you're like an armchair historian or if you have any interest in, or if you just like Stephen Frears or Sally Hawkins or Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan's in the movie as well. He co-wrote it with another, with his, with a collaborator that he, he did, he, they made Philip, Philomena Mm -hmm. some years ago with Judi Dench, also directed by Stephen Frears. So they're all back together in this film. So I'm very excited because I met Stephen Frears years ago with this smaller movie he did called Tamara Drew years ago and I got to interview him for her print interview or something like that. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, I either wasn't doing the podcast or he wasn't on it for some reason, but I got to interview him before I, and I liked the experience. I remember it, but I did watch some stuff and he's, he's doesn't suffer fools. He's kind of like, you know, he's a bit jaded. He's done probably thousands of interviews over the many, many years of his career. And you have to be, you know, thoughtful and on point. You don't want to just show up and not be prepared for something like that. And I thought, I have to work, figure out what's my angle that's going to, he's going to get, you know, pulled into it and he'll enjoy it. And it, I think it worked really well. So I was very excited about that. The other film, which we'll talk about more at length, is is a hybrid fiction, nonfiction film called I'm an Electric Lampshade, which has been a hit on the film festival circuit. It's a small film, but it's also becoming available on digital and demand on the 28th. 
So normally I would wait to post this, but I'm going to, I normally would post this, but I'm, I'm going to post it and then I'll, I'll remind people to see it because it's a very special film. But again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first up here is my conversation with Stephen Frears here on FilmWax. A horse! A horse! I kingdom for a horse! Richard III. I just don't believe someone would be that wicked because of a disability. Doesn't ring true to me. That's your critique of Shakespeare, is it? Doesn't ring true. <laughs> we both know you've had issues. I suffer from chronic fatigue, and yet have I ever missed a deadline? I thought it was time to give the younger ones a chance to shine. Well, you want people are good at being under 40, I will admit I am struggling there. So are you. Don't do anything impetuous, that's all I ask. We need your wages too. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom. Bye. Do you have any books on Richard III, the king? I know who you mean. We have eight titles. I'll take them. Which ones? All of them. You haven't answered our calls. You haven't answered our texts. What have you been doing? You must be the Richard III Society. I'd like to join you. I'd like to visit his grave. There isn't one. His mortal remains are lost to history. I know I can find him. But surely you remember me from when I did a print interview with you back around the time of Tamara Drew, Stephen Frears. <laughs> oh, oh, you. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Good cover. So I, I, I should ask you, since uh, last night was the big broadcast, if you watched the Oscars. Listen, I'm in my 80s. I go to bed. <laughs> okay. There are ways of recording such things, though, but... Yeah. I think probably well, by the next... Go ahead. If I, if I say I didn't, I'm, I don't mean to be rude. No. Well, next year you may hopefully be there. Well, I'm in my 80s. <laughs> um... Well, it's it's great to uh, to to see you again, and even if we're uh, doing this on screens, but I do appreciate it. And All right, I did enjoy the Lost King very much, and all that matters. A big part of that was just this character, Philippa Langley, who I have a great amount of admiration for. And yes, I, and I suspect that's why you made the film. She did it all. I mean, it, it's what she did. Yeah, you know, she became obsessed and. Delivered her obsession. In a very constructive way. Yes, and is insulted to this day. Uh, They still won't somehow give her the credit. They are not? No, they still won't come clean and say, look, what this woman did was fantastic. Right, well, they have a lot... They, meaning the the sort of the... uh, I don't know, I just read an article. I read an article about the whole thing the other day. And there was a woman, there was a, a journalist still not giving her the credit. I said the idea of a woman doing this was quite ridiculous. Okay, so we're referring to the fact that she's just a lay person who... Well, she's a she's an Edinburgh housewife. A Edinburgh housewife who is in something of an emotional uh, rut, let's say. Maybe she feels... Uh, yes. She, she has a, a... She does have a... Uh, um, a condition which is the medical, but I yes. think bigger, her bigger issue is she just feels not very useful or maybe invisible. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, she goes, as you said, she becomes sort of obsessed with this uh, idea of uh, unburying the truth in both literally 
and figuratively about Richard III because she feels she she has a hunch where he his 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 body is was his remains were, and also I think she did a, she did her research a lot. I think she worked out certain things, but in the end, she stood over that letter R and said he's down there. Was a, you know, was and that, I don't know how you deal with that, but that's what happened. Yeah. There was a letter, was the, there was a letter R? The letter R, you know, as they said, yeah. reserved. But, uh, was and that? Said, and he, it was a foot, it was four feet away from where Richard was. Amazing. Um, mm. I also wanted to say not only covering his remains and the truth about that, but also about his, um, potentially historic, the accuracy of how he's represented throughout history and in, and in literature and in Shakespeare, et cetera, that there were, you know, but that it seemed like the culture of academia had a lot invested in keeping things the way they were. And, yes. and you know, and not because that would mean, I don't even know. I mean, it seems like research in academia is always moving and shifting and changing and isn't it? Yes. I mean, Yes. Information, but they didn't want Not very fast. What's that? Not very fast. I think they're all oh, yeah. at work at the moment to show that the princes in the tower weren't murdered. I think that's what's going on. I'm t- I mean, I don't follow it very closely, but I'm, I'm told that's what's going on. The princes. The princes weren't, you know, yeah. Shakespeare had them murdered in the tower. I, d- I think that, that this is now a theory that he's not quite right. And also, you know, it was much more in Henry VII's interest, the whole thing. And Shakespeare was always said to have written a sort of propaganda play. Right. right. Um, well, it's wonderful how – I just love how all this this comes out. And, and if, you know, for people like myself who are obviously uh, interested in history, to find out the truth is or, – or more of the story yeah. is hmm. such a satisfying thing. But the, I like also how she – she exposed. I don't think. She, I know this wasn't her 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 uh, plan or her goal to un, sort of uncover the artifice around academia and that uh, yes. that that if you are uh, if you do the research, you do the work, you might uncover truths that actually academics won't even. Uncover. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Was that something that was compelling to you, or in particular? Well, it was quite entertaining. I come from Leicester, so I have not. Oh, I have skin in the game, as they say. You do. Wait, so wait. You're from the town, the city. I'm from Leicester, where where his body was found under the car park. So it just gets more and more um, interesting. So then I have to ask: uh, Was this uh, is this what started the ball rolling? Because I I was under the idea that Steve Coogan. No, no, they wrote the script quite innocently because they were interested in it, and they came to me. But it was just a sort of added layer of entertainment that um, I come from Leicester. That's just great. I love the poetry of all that because I assume that these guys, Jeff, is it Jeff Pope? Yeah. And Stephen Coogan came to you because you did, you know, a, a serviceable job with Philomena. No, I'd made Philomena. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. I got half of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Judy, was she, was she nominated for that? Remind me. Judy Dench. Yeah. I'm sure she was, yes. Yeah, there, she that's fine. deserved to be. Uh, and, uh, well, 
anyway, so, well, that's a great coincidence then. Well, it made me laugh. I, I would imagine, yeah. And, um, well, anyway, we like Philomena because she, I'm, excuse me, we like Philippa because she is just interested in uh, uncovering the truth and doing that exposes things along the way that we all find rather annoying anyway. Like those Yes, absolutely. Pieces. No, absolutely. The power structure that really has, yes. doesn't want her involved. Yes. And, yeah. And, the, and their hypocrisy then right after yes. she does discover the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just had the sitting here and I, I felt I should uh, show it to you. It's almost oh like God. I won you over. I didn't. Oh you know. God. Well, this is how I was, this is how I was introduced to you as a young man in the mid eighties or whenever it came over here. Um, and there was such an exciting time of cinema. I have to talk to you a little bit about it because yes. even though we're going to, Oh, we should say the lost king is. Uh, the name of the film is directed by Stephen Frears, written by Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope. It premiered, it had its world premiere, I believe. You could, were at TIFF or was that just? In Toronto, yes. Yeah, at Toronto, which is amazing. And we'll be in theaters on, oh boy, on, I knew I should have written that down. I'm going to guess on this Friday. You know more than I know. Which is the 17th. If the publicist is, Listening in, please just type something. March 24th, they're a step ahead of me. So I stand corrected. Let me rephrase so I can edit that part out. And The Lost King is premiering in theaters on March 24th in theaters. What a remarkable concept. So <laughs> back in theaters. Um, well, anyway, the, the, the 80s were a fantastic time for a young guy coming up who loved films because they're just the exciting stuff that was coming uh, across yeah. the across the ocean from Europe, from England, like you and your films, it was just an incredible time. And I fell in love with your work and have been a huge, huge fan since. So, uh, that's I, very nice. thank you very much. That's the truth. And, um, so as I grabbed the chance and I'm just so happy that I really loved the lost King because I, you know, I, I, my partner is an academic, but she hates the term. She she's a teacher, and she she also teaches in the prison system. Yeah, good teaches, for her. You know, yeah, and it's uh and and she has difficulty with the whole the stuffiness and the the, the uh, artifice around academia and the whole, yes. you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know about it, but I'm sure she's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that she would dig um, Philippa's story and. So what last bit of stuff I have to ask about to get back to the film is unless you want to talk about uh what no, I No, I'm talking about whatever you want. All right, great. No, I appreciate it. Uh is I was curious, did Sally Hawkins who portrays who plays uh Philippa, did she want to spend time with Philippa? Did she want to I don't think so. I think she, like me, didn't spend time with her. You know, you want to keep your in a way, whatever it is you're inventing, yes, you want to keep that pure. And if you start mixing with the real person, I don't, you get distracted in some way. Maybe attached to someone else's, you know, yes. idea of what yes. that, yeah, yes. as opposed to developing yes. your own and create something. Yes. And how closely do you work on a character like that with her? 
or does she just do that work on her own? Sally. Yeah, for instance. Well, those actresses, they sort of work it out for themselves. Yeah. I'm working at the moment with Kate Winslet. Well, she's I'm sorry to hear that. Why do you say you're sorry to hear that? I'm just teasing. I don't know. I think you're um, very blessed. So, um, you know, that, that they're really good at that. And you, you know, all your, you know, it's it, directing isn't, that isn't what it is, sort of. I mean, I can see that Elia Kazan was interested in how an actor got his performance, but I'm not. I just expect him to turn up on the first day and be brilliant. And uh, and what's the Kate with? I guess you should be talking to talk about the Kate project. That's the next project, I guess. Yes. Any and and uh, is there a plan to collaborate again with Stephen with Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope? Because I know they had another. Project. I don't know. I don't know. They're they're prolific, and I'm very very fond of them. Yeah. So I can't I can't answer your question, but I'm I'm very fond of them. Yeah, they seem to. And I hope they're fond of me. That's obvious. Yeah, I was watching some stuff with you, the three of you. Oh, fooling around. Well, yeah, and, and, and even when you weren't, like, but you definitely are the quietest of the <laughs> three. Can't get a word in anyways. I was worried about it a little bit because, um, I had some positive associations with the Tamara Drew uh, experience of talking to you. But I wasn't sure watching you with other interviews if you if you terribly like to unravel and explore and and take apart your work or if you kind of well I prefer just I prefer just to make the film just to be left alone to make the film that's the bit that's interesting right. I'm not very good at talking about things I think. well I'm, the truth is I don't think anybody's very good at explaining could be yeah the uh, uh, and and uh, so when you are you approached more more regularly now at this point, uh, or in the last I don't know, however many years, uh, about projects? Or do you well, I am still seek them out, which I'm very grateful for. But I am very very old, so uh, it doesn't seem to. I don't know. I, I think it, it doesn't seem to have the great amount of impact as it may have once upon a time. There's a whole lot of filmmakers now in their eighties. Oh, you mean Clint Eastwood? No, I mean, well, I mean, he might even be 90s at this point, right? Which is good. Who are you thinking of? Well, just even some of your compatriots, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, Mike Lee or somebody like that, who's yes. now over 80 and still, you know, yeah. making films. And yes. over here, we have plenty of filmmakers that are uh, in their 80s. There seems to maybe be less of a, an ageist thing about it, you know. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're working with um, a cast like this on a project like this, um, it, I, I imagine it, it does, uh, when you're on the actual location and you're on the set, yes. uh, it creates a, a lot of uh, motivation for you. And, yes, uh, absolutely. No, it was good. It was really enjoyable film to me. That's great. Yeah. And are you expected to run around? I mean, are you obviously were in Toronto. I'm sure it played in a number of other festivals. Are you I was in to Toronto. Be- I've been to a few places with it. Are you going to be at any uh, screenings, for instance? Um, do you have to go to the Los Angeles? No, no, no. I'm working in London. Oh, too bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's out of your hands. Absolutely. And how best, do you, yeah. Best place to be. And so this next project is uh, you're shooting in London. Yes. 
that's great. And that this you have a home there. That's where I live. Yes. No. Okay, very good. All right. Yeah. Uh, again, it's called The Lost King. It's directed by the great Stephen Frears, and um, it's opening in theaters here in uh, uh, the States on March 24th. Um, and it's been just an incredible pleasure to uh, be able to talk to you about this film. And uh, I'm glad to know there'll be another one shortly coming, maybe as soon as... Oh, they never stop. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where, where's, where can you hop off this train, is the question, you know? I, don't, I think I'll, I suspect I'll be pushed off. I'm sure there won't be a problem with that. Uh, I think one day you're pushed off it, and that's the end of it. And, and yeah, you won't but see it's it good fun. Mm. All right, well, that's good. Well... Uh, very, really appreciate it, and uh, it's a pleasure. Look at your dog. What kind of dog is that? It's a pit bull, actually. Oh my god! He's just a, 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 a he thinks he's a kitten. You know, he thinks he's a cat because yes. he sort of snuggles and he curls up and very gentle animal. Tucker. Well, there he is. There he is. He's a pit bull. He hasn't got a pit bull's face. Well, it's sort of like one. Of the, it's a big head. When you see them, you know, standing. Yeah. Do you got dogs? Do you have dogs? No, no, no. But because of the pandemic, I've, I've seen a lot of dogs. <laughs> right. That's right. They they make their way into these. Um, yes, absolutely. All right. Well. Um, All right. Thank you so much. Good luck. Same to you. Appreciate it. See you in twenty years' time. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. What happens now? That's a good question. I'm going to turn you're it off. You're going to stay on, Stephen. Okay, I'm, you're I'm the boss. Go away, I think, right? <laughs> and you're going to go away, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. It's starting to sound slightly mad. If you could just understand the way it's made me feel, I feel energized. I feel happy. I know you're some sort of apparition. I've been trying to work out why you're here. I wonder if it's because you're lost. How can you possibly find him on your own? Finding a needle in a haystack would be easier. This is starting to look a bit like an unhealthy obsession. Plenty have tried to find him and failed. I know you haven't been at work for the last two weeks. Can you tell me what that letter represents? Just means reserved. I believe this is a very important historical site. This is the equivalent of someone with a homemade rocket saying they're going to reach the moon. You can't stop now. Have faith in your research. Have faith in yourself. I'm worried. I won't find you. Don't let them push you around. Stay strong. I'm here today to tell you a story about a person who is judged unfairly in life. And never given the opportunity to show their true potential. You don't happen to know where you are, do you? Might help. All right. How, by the guys, so before we go talk about I'm an electric lampshade, how was your how's your last few days? I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Nice walking weather, you mm. know, with the transition to spring and mm-hmm. everything smells good and the bulbs are coming out. They are? They are. Yes, they, they all are. Mm-hmm. And uh, celebrating friends' birthday parties and, like, mm-hmm. good things. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we started a new show with uh, oh. a previous host is moving on to a new exciting show. Oh, that's true. Pilgrim's Progress. We hope to be launching in another 7 to 14 days. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Oh, and Gyno Curious. And right. your new show, Gyno Curious, will We've be launched about in the that next before. couple of weeks. Oh, that's finally getting closer to launching. Really yes. close. People should go to RadioFreeRyanCliff.org. Put in your bookmark it. Or, I know there is a channel on Apple Podcasts, right? Yep. Yep. And you'll find some of the podcasts there. Some of the shows are on Mixcloud. Mm-hmm. There are music shows. And uh, they're, they're all on the website, but scattered right. in different locations from the website. Yeah. But you folks should at least start from RadioFreeRyanCliff.org. Go to that website and... You know, check out all the different shows there, and they do stream live, mostly now on which days or Fridays? Uh, Fridays we stream live, and we'll be streaming on Saturday soon. Oh, very good. Okay, so it's a great talking it up all over the place, especially up here in the Hudson Valley. But I, uh, this next film, it's called I'm an Electric Lampshade, and I, we, I was lucky enough to talk, I mean, articulate about it, because it is a very, very unique film, to, to say the least. It was, uh, it was recommended to me. And when you start watching the film, and I brought this up during the interview, you'll hear it in a minute, you know, you think you're watching a relatively conventional documentary because the first is this guy, he's, you know, he's wearing chinos and a button-up shirt and a tie, and, you know, he works as an accountant, I think, in some company, you know, business, and he's getting ready to retire. He's done very well, and he's retiring. And so you think, oh, this is going to be fun because you know like he's going to change his life and like he's very intentionally going to change his life. He's lived in this bit of a, uh, what would you call it? You know, a conve- well, a conventional life and a little bit constrained by those parameters, you know, it's like, you know, living in the suburbs and just reporting to the same job for many years. That was his life. But then he realized this is an opportunity to, live a life that I've been fantasizing about and that I really want to live and what all that means and all that suggests. So it's, you realize, oh, this is going to get good. So I called out my girlfriend, but then it goes off in a whole other direction that you can never predict. And that's what I loved about the film. It's, you know, my recommendation is pop a gummy, turn on the film (laughs) and enjoy yourself because it's a wild ride. This film, again, it's called I'm an electric lampshade lampshade. We're going to talk to the director whose name is John Clayton Doyle. He's a multidisciplinary artist shown, uh, excuse me, known for his use of movement, unconventional casting, and experimental storytelling. And boy, is that true. And then the subject of the film and his, I suppose, collaborator, creative collaborator on this project, Doug McCorkle, who is that accountant I was describing. Right. Calls are coming in already about the film. <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Sorry Good save. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Doug McCorkle, after a successful career in public and corporate accounting, there you go, Doug McCorkle retired at age 60 and decided to pursue his dream to become a singer and a performer. A lifelong music lover, Doug was the DJ of a weekly radio show for several years at a local station in New York's Hudson Valley region. What? But never sang in public until after his retirement. Maybe we can rope Doug McCorkle mm. back into radio. What do you think? That's what we do here. I think I, I could reach out. We'll do that. But uh, anyway, I, I gave you a kind of a halfway decent description of the film. I can't really talk about it too much or describe it and do it justice. Other, what we'll play a bit of the trailer as we usually do, or I'll play the trailer going into the conversation. And you can also watch it on the FilmWax YouTube channel if you want to see the trailer. Okay, but the film, FYI, is will be, again, available on Tuesday after this weekend. So I'm going to urge everybody to go check it out. And that's the show. 
And then next week, we're going to go live with Susan Ray, the widow of Nicholas Ray, the Hollywood director of many decades, Rebel Without a Cause, many other, A Lonely Place, A Knock on Any Door, many classic films. And she is also runs the Nicholas Ray Foundation to keep her husband's or her late husband's legacy alive and well. So I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you guys will be here for that. They're nodding. <laughs> yeah. We will we, we'll be, be here. Oh, good. All right. Well, you'll let me know whenever you're not. So I appreciate that. Okay, guys. Thank you for uh, humoring me during these intros. I love it. I love hanging out with you and seeing you guys. So thank you. And we'll keep people updated on all things Radio Free Ryan Cliff and Film Wax as the spring springs. All right, guys. Here we go. This is my conversation with John Clayton Doyle and Doug McCorkle right here on Film Wax. Uh, test one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep, I'm good. Doug was your typical accountant that you would expect to see when you walk into a company for the first time. Oh, I've been in this office for 18 years, but it's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I would think over the course of maybe 15 years, it took us to really get Doug to let his hair down. And when he did, it was really letting his hair down. All right. There we go. Hi, guys. Hi, Adam. How are you? All right. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Great. Sorry for my slight delay there. No worries. I appreciate you guys holding on. So nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So first thing is, thanks for really fucking with my brain the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Always happy to oblige. (laughs) Well, it's always, it's important to do that. You know, it's important to, it's, it's, it's so, it reminds me that it's just so rare where you absolutely don't know what you're in for when you see a film. So I appreciate it very much. I have no idea. Still, still trying to figure it out, to be honest. <laughs> Can you? Okay, so we're talking to Doug McCorkle, which is the man in the bright blue shirt there, who is the subject of I'm a lampshade. I'm an electric lampshade, excuse me. And a filmmaker, John Clayton Doyle, in the tracksuit. Nice to meet Correct. you up again. And, nice and, to meet um, you. Yeah. So can you kind of tell me a little bit about the origin story, how you guys collaborated? Yeah. Talk about the collaboration. Anybody can go first. I would love to know sort of how that began and how you started to figure out what this film was going to, what the shape it was going to take. Well, I I think we can both jump in on this. So the, the, the origins of John and I started working together came about when I decided to make a music video, a private music video for a supervisor of mine who was retiring. I had worked for for 15 years and I wanted to do something that was completely unexpected and out of the box. And so John and John was the choreographer for that music video. And we started collaborating. Then the music video was a great success, got a standing ovation at the, at the company I was working for at the time. And so I got the bug, so to speak, and wanted to keep working with John. And we, we continued to work together. And John turned to me one day and said, well, what are we going to do next? 
And I really wasn't sure. And John said, let's make a short film. Let's make a short film that includes a, a music video in the format. And idea for a short film grew over several years into I'm an Electric Lampshade, which is the feature-length film you see today. It, and John's creativity and coming up with interesting characters and interesting locales for us to film at and my, my being willing to follow his direction all along the way ended up with just an exciting film that, as you said, kind of surprises everybody when they see it. Yeah, it certainly doesn't start. I mean, it certainly doesn't go anywhere you can possibly predict. I mean, I it's funny because the film, I love the premise, which I thought was a straight off documentary. I was like kind of curious, like I was thinking already how, and I'll explain it like the opening sequences are where you are retired about your, you, your, yourself, but your character of yourself as well, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's, it's both. When I retire, it's kind of much more straight ahead documentary. Uh, but then the, the film sort of veers into a bit of a more narrative format after that. Yeah. Well, I would even argue, and John, and John please jump in and interrupt me by all means, because I want to hear from you about this. This could be more of a conversation. But it's so what I did is I remember going upstairs. I started watching. I thought, oh, this is going to be fun because this is a guy who's kind of lived a conservative life, and not not necessarily politically speaking, but, you know, lived conventionally and then was about to retire and decided he really needed to shake things up and and allow himself to finally feel alive and you know so it was going to be oh this is going to be fun to watch and so i grabbed my girlfriend upstairs i said come on down and watch and then it it became this other film entirely which was like for both of us a real welcome surprise this journey that the, that you go on with with the film actually us as watch as viewers you know I'm a big fan of Spike Jones, and my mm -hmm. favorite film is Being John Malkovich, which takes a real-life person and creates a fictional world around him. And as well, Spike's next movie adaptation is mm -hmm. based on the author of Keith, and again, creates this fictional world around the the novel. And Doug was a willing participant, and... Everything, all the building blocks of the film are telling Doug's story. And okay. I think when you get more into the imaginative kind of music video style storytelling, it's mm -hmm. still trying to convey the journey of going from being an accountant to being an artist and right. being surrounded by creatives for the first time and getting rid of that idea of, of be, an accountant's mindset that everything needs to line up and fit in a box when you dive into the creative world there's no rules so really kind of embracing that is exciting and that's what the second sort of chapter of the movie which is broken up into four chapters is about mm -hmm. and the third chapter is the fear of being an artist and the vulnerability and right. going, holy s what have i done have i gone too far have i risked too much and then the final concert at the end is kind of the reward. And Doug is, in my mind, not somebody who his whole life dreamed of being a singer. I think Doug is somebody who lived a whole life of blending in. And mm -hmm. at a certain point mm -hmm. said, 
all right, I'm ready to be brave and stand out and step outside the world that I've known my whole life. Well, what you brought up a few minutes moments ago about this, the fear of, of hurling, hurling your, or throwing yourself into uh, the life of an artist. It, it, it's true. And when I'm watching, I'm feeling some anxiety when I'm watching the film because I'm, I'm afraid for, for Doug, but because I'm not sure what this adventure he's going through, he's putting himself in all these situations that could be, they're murky. They're, you know, you don't know what the outcome of these things. And, and it's, it's, it's a bit unsettling as somebody is watching because maybe I can relate. Maybe, you know, he is the projection to our avatar, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Or what a lot of us wish we could do or want to do, but are maybe too, you know, afraid to do it or intimidated, you know. So yeah, it's it's absolutely too true, Adam, that that all along the way, that anxiety you felt, I certainly felt just in making the film. Uh because John's one of John's greatest talents is is casting and working with real life characters in acting in a film and here I was a real life character in in the biggest sense of the word um because I was kind of you know pursuing this very unusual path to doing something that was really stepping outside of my comfort zone it wasn't like I dipped my toe in the water I kind of jumped in head first so yeah it's it was exhilarating but at the same time quite scary very much a different feeling for me to have to be so vulnerable and and open myself to the, up to the creative and I couldn't have done it without great coaching from so many people singers dance dance coaches performance coach I really got a crash course in being a performer so uh, mm-hmm. uh it was quite a journey and the outcome what do you feel like now that that you did do this and you did make this film, you did take all those kind of risks that you were talking about. Where, where do you go from here? <laughs> That's a good question. Is there any going back? <laughs> no, there isn't any going back. That's for sure. I, I would never return to the to the corporate life. I mean, that's that's now in the past for me. Where it goes next is is the next advent. And it's really hard to say, Adam, for sure. I mean, there's a possibility there could be another project. There's a possibility of doing some more music, perhaps. There's a possibility of going in a completely different direction and doing something else creative in its own right. So we'll see. I think the the beautiful thing for me is that that we did do this, and, and really with the help of a whole host of people, including all the post-production folks that, that did just a, such a fantastic job making this film. You know, that, that we have this product that I can, or this film that I can look back on and go, wow, you know, that's quite an accomplishment for me personally. And, you know, it, it, it makes you feel more confident that maybe you can do something else. You just never know. I will I say. And I love that this story centers around someone in their early 60s. You know, I think think that's, there's unfortunately a rareness to that. And also a lot of inspiration that we can reinvent ourselves throughout Mm -hmm. our our lives. And this film represents almost a decade, you know, in the making for Doug. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty remarkable, and I think that it's natural to to need some distance from that to really reflect on what it all amounts to. 
Yeah, well said. And I was going to, I was actually about to say, well, I, I'm, I, I, I think that there are many potential adventures ahead for not only Doug and, you know, for anybody, but, but as a, somebody who's roughly Doug's age, I definitely think of him as a very young man who, <laughs> who still has many adventures potentially to come. And the name of the film with this awesome film is called I'm an Electric Lampshade. And it is going to be available on digital and on demand as of March 28th, which will be already kind of happened when I post this because I want people to go right from this conversation directly to see the film and not to wait, but to go, but don't interrupt. Don't, don't stop us in this conversation, but go right afterwards and watch I'm an Electric Lampshade. And it had an pretty, pretty impressive festival run. Was that something you made a very conscious decision to do? Because you can have some amazing conversations and audience experiences if you can get to the festivals, of course. But I, it just, you have a lot of, of those mentioned on mm -hmm. your on your website so yeah Sad. absolutely Sad. It, it, it was a conscious decision to to go ahead and and pursue the festival mm -hmm. sorry john go ahead i was just going to say 2021 was really not the ideal mm -hmm. year for festivals and we did no. miss out on that experience of being in the room with other filmmakers and producers okay. and feeling right. their energy because so much went online and you lose mm -hmm. that, that, that festival experience. Right. Uh, I did have the fortune to go to the Warsaw International Film Festival, which was incredible. It was in person. We had four screenings. It was a big deal there. And I think the public were so excited to have this annual festival. So that was the one that I got to go in person and do Q and A's and see really how people were responding to the film. Mm -hmm. It was a difficult time, we, and we knew that that would be the case, but we really wanted to get the film out to the festivals, you know, just to try to build up some interest in the film, get well, our sure. media presence out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and fortunately for us, even though, as John points out, you know, we didn't have the luxury of being able to go to in-person festivals, which was unfortunate. We had a really good film festival run. It appeared at 22 film festivals worldwide. It won awards at 12 of them. So amazing. So really all in all, we couldn't have been more pleased with that outcome. This is uh, what, what would be called a great film festival film or festival film, actually. But I, I, I really will urge people to go and check it out because I think it's a very special and exceptional of art, frankly. Thank you, you very know, much. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Yeah. And what, John, what about you? What's coming? What do you have uh, coming? Are you going to make more feature films? Is that in your future? Absolutely. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. that. As an, as a first time filmmaker and coming from background directing theater and dance and as a casting director, you know, I, I don't think it's realistic that I'm going to just jump into another feature film, but I am writing one, which okay. will again have this blend of a real life setting and real characters, but a lot of fans around it. Mm -hmm. Well, Doug's smiling. I assume he. He's looking forward to that and maybe looking forward to collaborating at some point if possible. Absolutely. Although I, I, I won't mind if John cast another character as the main character, <laughs> but we had a, we had a, we have had a, a great run working together. So it's, it's, it's been a great effort. 
Well, again, I mean, I think it's a very singular film. It has a real independent voice to it. If, maybe that's not the right way of, of, of describing it, but it's very unique and it has a confidence in the filmmaking. It's very impressive. It really is. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. Adam. Oh, sure. Again, it's called I'm an Electric Lampshade. The title is, comes up in the film, doesn't it? Pretty sure, if I remember. Yes. I saw it a while ago, but. So I think Doug is going through this journey at this point in his life to figure out who he is or who he's mm-hmm. going to be. So mm-hmm. I think that that relates to the I am part of the title and, and kind of people asking him along the way, who are you? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm an electric lampshade just happened to be during the original music writing process. I mm-hmm. said, Doug, go, go write right. stream of conscious lyrics. And the first lyric he ever wrote was, I'm an electric lampshade. So it just made sense that there was this declarative statement about figuring out who he is. And no one else can say I'm an electric lampshade other than Doug. I didn't know if he had something to say. No, it was just just a stream of consciousness lyric that came out, and we haven't regretted it since. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not. It's a inspired this title and 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 your lovely your lovely wife is it jill no it's gina i'm sorry yeah gina no that's okay gina g-i-n-a yeah yeah sorry about that and i hope she's well what what was her response to the film she she likes the film she she closes her eyes when she sees herself in it (laughs) as you can (laughs) imagine yeah Yeah. but uh, but she she absolutely enhanced the film in participating in it. I, I compliment her because her, she was very vulnerable in the film. She was. Uh, we portrayed her real life struggles with mental illness in the film. She struggled with depression and anxiety for her entire life. Yeah. And she, she was very open and honest about that, about the fact that she's, she'd been hospitalized a few times for it. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so, so I, I really applauded her for doing that. And I think it brought a, a real touching element to the film because we are, I'm very fortunate. I, I live with her. I love her to bits and she's my best friend. So it's, so it's a really wonderful combination to have. Throughout making this film, I, I always came back to this idea or notion of what made this film so unique amongst Mm -hmm. all the other Mm -hmm. things you know you call it something singular you're just never gonna find a film with a real life husband and wife who are not actors acting out their lives i mean that to me is one of the most remarkable things about this film yeah and i will say i having had small experience much smaller but having had an experience of being in a relationship with somebody with, with, with mental illness, it's, it's, it's no, it's not an easy thing, you know, for either, either person in the relationship. However, having said that, you know, she in a way anchors the film. I, it, that was my experience. There's something about her, you know, quote unquote performance in the film, which it really feels like she gives it this, you know, solid, strong center on some level. Cause you don't know where the heck Doug's going. <laughs> You know, you don't yeah. know where he's ending up or what he might end up trying or doing or where, wh- wh- what have you. But, but with, with, with Gina, we, we have a sense of that, of where she, she has a strong sense of herself, regardless of her, her issues, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, you know? And I do think that as a couple of you guys were really, it was very moving to, to see that 
and your in your affection and the bond you guys have. It's it was very moving. Thank you very much. Well, I love her to bits, as I said, Adam. So it's so it was wonderful to have her participate, and she really did add a, an amazing element to the film that we couldn't have yeah. captured otherwise. Well, I thank you both for making time for this today. And, you know, I wish you much continued success with I'm an Electric Lampshade. Thank you. And, um, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll play the trailer at the beginning of it and we'll, we'll get people, we'll get pe- people are going to want to see this film. They're going to scratch their heads and say, what are they, these guys talking about? So, <laughs> <laughs> Got to figure it out. And then they're going to want to say, let me get John and, and Doug's emails or people are going to want to talk to you guys. <laughs> um, connect with you guys. I'm so lucky that I get this opportunity and I've had Thank this opportunity you. today. Yeah, sure. My Thank pleasure. you. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Have a good, you too. Nice meeting you both. You too. Who are you, Well, I used to sit here and just fantasize about doing this. And I kept telling you, you could do it. Yes, you did. I kept saying, you could do that. Right. Age is not the limitation that you think it is. Who doesn't look much like a corporate accountant anymore? Electric lampshade.